Chapter 16, the promises of God lead us to the person. Everything starts with the person. Here's a question for us to ponder in relation to the title of this chapter. Would you say you have more of a relationship with the principles of God as opposed to the person of God? Were you brought up on God's principles, which are good and true, but never really experiencing a true knowledge of the person? If there is one prayer that defines my life for God's people, it is that we would know the person. I can teach them all the principles of God, but what I can't give them is the person. Only the person of Christ can give them a revelation of himself. And it is this personhood revelation that makes all the difference in our lives. Above all else, I desire for us as God's people to know the person of Christ more and more. Because out of this posture, the principles will flow and they will have this indestructible overflowing life in Christ. Are we experiencing this indestructible, abundant, overflowing, overcoming life in Christ because of the person being formed within us? Or are we purely living from the principle and continuing to ask for the how-tos behind the principles of God? Please hear me. I am not saying the principles of God are wrong or that the principles of God are not to apply to our lives. What I am saying is this. When the principles become the focus rather than the person, then we are going to limit the life we can experience in Christ. For too long, I personally believe the church has taught the principles of God, thinking the principles are an end in themselves, never understanding the principles are a means toward a greater end. There is an overemphasis given to the teaching of how the how-tos that are associated with the principles, because we think in knowing the how-to, this will bring us into the overflowing life. We somehow miss the fact that although there is a portion of life attached to the principle, this life still remains predominantly outside of us. Paul said it was upon the revelation of Jesus Christ that he received the gospel. The gospel didn't lead Paul to Christ, but Christ led Paul to the gospel. Jesus Christ brought the gospel to life in and to Paul. The promises are a means that point us to the person. The principles or promises of God are to lead us to partaking of the divine nature of Christ, the person. If we want to be changed on the inside, it's not the application of the principle that does this inner change, but the revealing and forming of the person of Christ within us. The passage below is an incredible reference point for the point I am making here. 2 Peter 1, 2-11 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. 
For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior will be abundantly supplied to you. There is an incredible passage of Scripture, and Peter is declaring a reality that the church needs to find and live from. Peter is declaring a position that God has ordained for the church to have revealed within her. We could spend hours and hours pulling apart these passages, but for the sake of having to write another book to describe the abundance of living mana here, I want us to look at verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We can see from this passage that God's precious and magnificent promises have been given to us, the church, so we may become partakers of the divine nature. Can we say we are partaking of the divine nature of Christ because we have been led by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit from God's principles, his promises, into experiencing the person through his power? This is to be the church's reality. For the promises or the principles of God to lead us into this divine nature, the gospel must come to us in word, power, Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Having God's nature in us, does it get any better than this? Having his love in us and experiencing this reality, having his peace that guards our hearts and our minds, which causes us to be anxious for nothing like the scriptures declare, having his joy made complete in us and living from his joy, no matter the circumstance or situation we may be facing, the fruit of the spirit goes on and on. Some people have said to me, this is impossible. I can't do this, and yes, I agree. We cannot do this work, but this work is fully possible. This work is fully possible because God says all things are possible in him. The second reason I know it is possible is because I am living in a measure of this work. My actual life is and is becoming a demonstration of this work being done by God. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Notice where God is at work in you. This is the Holy Spirit's role to perform this work as we surrender our lives to this work being done within us. This is where faith becomes the bridge that leads us from our current state of being into a new state of being in Him. The life I'm experiencing within me today from knowing the person is nothing short of the indestructible life in Christ I write about in chapter 4. We see in Revelation 19.10 these words being used to describe a reality. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is these words that I am using to describe the position I am writing about. I am testifying to the work Jesus has accomplished in and through me. And this testimony comes as a prophetic utterance to those who do not yet know or have not yet experienced their reality being declared. It is a reality to be known and experienced by the church. This prophetic word is to be our now reality. This living work that Jesus has done and accomplished, his testimony in me, is the spirit that sits behind the reality I declare. 
Prophecy is speaking of a future reality that already exists from God's perspective because of what Jesus has made possible, even though it may not yet be our reality. The entire Bible is prophetic in nature. It's our knowledge of the person that brings us into this incredible life within us. This is why John 8.32 says the truth will make you free. The truth that makes us free is a person and not the principle. Overemphasis on how-tos. A key indicator of a promise or principle-led life in Christ, as opposed to a person-led life in Christ, is this overemphasis of people asking for the how-tos. People continually ask for the how-tos. How do I do this? And how do I do that? But all these how-tos that are being asked for are connected to the principles rather than the person. In living like this, we have disassociated the promise or the principle from the person. The reason we don't know the how-to is because we don't know the person well enough. A newborn baby instinctively and innately knows how to suckle on its mother's breast to receive its new food source. The baby has never done this before, and it certainly didn't go to breastfeeding classes while it was in the mother's womb. It is the parents that go to the maternity classes to learn the how-tos. The baby knows instinctively how to live. I believe this is a perfect analogy of how we are to live as people of the Spirit who know Christ. We are to flow from the person because the person is Spirit and allow the principles to flow out of this position. A leader who constantly finds himself giving out and teaching the how-tos so people can live from the principle is also a good indicator that both the leader and the follower are living from this position of disassociating the principle from the person. People can be given someone else's how-tos and they can go away and apply all these how-tos and still not be changed or brought into this overflowing life in Christ within them. The reason for this is that this overflowing life in Christ is not found in this way. People ask, how do I live this principle out? As opposed to, how do I come into this overflowing life within me? The reason we ask for the how-tos to live these principles out, rather than asking how we are to be brought into this inner realm of life, I believe is twofold. Firstly, many don't believe this reality exists in Christ because they have no reference point for it. So they are asking for it. Many are like the woman at the well who wasn't even asking for the right water that Jesus was offering because she didn't know the gift or the one who was the giver of the gift. The woman didn't know what was right in front of her and within her grasp, do we? Secondly, many of us in our relationship with Christ are outcome-driven as our first-place posture, as opposed to being relationally led and letting the outcomes just be a natural result of our relationship or fellowship with the person. This outcome-driven mindset directs the ways in which we live and think, and we constantly find ourselves in a perpetual motion of asking for how-tos, but never actually coming into this abundance of life within us. This posture reads God's word to figure out how we are to live and what we are to do. So we know we are doing the right thing as opposed to meditating on God's word to discover who he is and who we are in him and letting everything flow out of this posture. This outcome-driven mindset applies the principles to our lives, thinking that this is ultimately what is pleasing to the Father, and yet we are still void of any transformational life changing work on the inside of us. This position is the position the rich young ruler found himself in. 
He was so proud of his accomplishments and the principles that he had managed to keep out of his own strength and abilities. And yet he is horrendously exposed for the lack of true life within him when Jesus touches on his true state. He was keeping some of the commandments, and yet from what position was he keeping those commandments? Jesus didn't mention the first four out of the Ten Commandments because Jesus knew the true state of the man's heart. And this is what he targets. The young man thinks he has done so well, and you can almost hear the boasting of arrogance when he says, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Jesus knew that this life wasn't discovered through the requirements of a physical law, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. This power is discovered in the person and not the principle. Principle-led life unraveled. With the next sentence, Jesus literally pulls on the thread, which will unravel this young man. His life, which has been masquerading up until now, is about to be exposed. A life that others would have said is in God is about to be seen for what truly it is in, himself and his own ways. This young man's life has been anchored in certain principles of God, but not in the personhood of God. Jesus knows this young man has never been in real life, even though the young man would have thought he was. Jesus can see this young man's true state of heart. We can be just like this rich young ruler. We can literally believe we are keeping all of the commandments and yet still not be in life. Yes, we keep the principle, but our hearts are not changed. Do we really believe the Father wants us to keep principles or come into this all-transforming, all-consuming life that is found in Him and live from this place? We can keep all His principles and still not have a change of heart. We can keep all His principles and still not love God or people any more than we did before we started keeping all the principles. It amazes me how many people keep God's principles and yet don't seem to have the corresponding life operating within them. Where we spend our time, energy, resource, and what consumes our thinking is who we truly are in love with. Not who we love, but who we are in love with. We can keep God's principles, but who are we actually in love with? Just like the rich young ruler was exposed when Jesus touched on this issue of who he was in love with, so will we be. I wonder if our response will also match the rich young ruler's. Jesus knew that the rich young ruler could have tried to keep all the Ten Commandments and it still wouldn't have made an ounce of difference to his life. He still would have been in the same situation as he was when Jesus confronted him because Jesus knew what the one thing was he lacked. Jesus knew that the rich young ruler was in fact in love with himself. He was in love with self more than he was Christ and this is exactly what Jesus hones in on. He was the God of his own life, and he was trying to come into this eternal life through his own way and his own understanding and failing miserably. Not eternity, but an eternal life now. An eternal life now is living our lives on earth today, but with the culture and value systems of the heavenly realm in us. It's having the substance of Christ's kingdom operating in and through us now because of the person we know intimately. And this is to be our ever-increasing reality. The true issue for the rich young ruler wasn't the fact that he was wealthy and had to give up his wealth. The true issue was that he wanted to be God over his own life. And because he wanted to be God over his own life, he couldn't give up the idol in his life, which was his wealth. God wanted to remove the high place that was erected in his heart. 
If we are truly keeping the great commandment, which all the Ten Commandments are now fused into, the power of the Spirit of God and not our flesh, the God of self, then we will have this overflowing, abundant, eternal life of Christ being formed and established within us now, and it will be ongoing. Matthew 19, 16-17, And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I attain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. We will have fulfilled the law, the law of love. Romans 13.10, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Our hearts will be his, our lives will be his, and we will be living from this incredible position of personhood, as opposed to just keeping the principles of God.